Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. We're nearing the end of a series called Courageous Choices one more week after this. And it's a series that uh, I and the leaders really felt have felt was a really key series because I feel like God is bringing us at Quest into more and more in an increasing accelerated fashion the promised land he has for us as people, as individuals, and as a church. So we've been learning about the courageous choices God asked his people in Israel to make as they walked into their promised land by looking at the book of Joshua. I think a bit of that promised land has looked like for us since three years and three and a half years in a row of consistent, steady growth. And I, I feel like God is beginning to accelerate that growth for us by deepening our impact in our relationships in the community, opening up opportunities there through many of the things that have started over the last year or so. It's been really beautiful things that God's doing. Uh, even the Thrive Counseling Center, over half the people attending that are actually unchurched. And it's just a beautiful thing to see God uh, working in increased ministry ways to our community in the depth. But the most exciting thing for me is uh, the fact that God's showing up more and more often in miraculous ways among us. Today we're going to talk about one of the greatest miracles I think it's written in the Bible. It's a, mo- it's a miracle of the sun standing still that we're going to read about in just a moment. And, and through this story today, through this history, we're going to invite all of us to make courageous choices to pray these kind of bold sun standstill prayers, whatever that's going to look like for each one of us throughout our days. And as we talk about this, we're also going to wrestle with some of the realities of the barriers that make it challenging for us to pray that kind of prayer and the encouragement God gives us to pray those sun stand still prayers. First, one of the sun stand still prayers I've been praying lately uh, has been that God would give us a clear story every single week of a divine encounter among you that we could share with you. Last week, I came to the end of the week and I went, well, I guess that prayer isn't going to be answered this week. And then Zach texted me at like 10, 1030 on Thursday or Wednesday night after worship rehearsal. And you guys all got to hear Tom Venn's stories last week of, of his arm being healed. And so God answered the prayer again. Would you please welcome this week, uh, Jody Maxson, as she comes to share a story of God uh, resolving a 20 year issue for her. So, Jody, tell us about this 20-year issue. Okay, well, first of all, I'll tell you a little bit about the injury. It happened about 20 years ago. Christmas Eve, all you mothers can relate to this. We're in a hurry, we're trying to get the last gift wrapped up. And I went to stand up to pick up the last gift, and I slipped on two pieces of paper, uh, paper, and then one got on the Twisted my knee, tore the cartridge, and I went to bed in my left knee. In the, during this time, I've had arthritis set in. Also, a scar tissue that has built up in my left knee. It's visibly noticeable. I mean, my knees do not look the same. Yeah. 
mercy because that's what it was obviously merciful for me to be healed and that my friends is something I haven't been able to do in over 10 years 20 years and um, it's been while I've been down on my knees that God has spoken to my heart and maybe to prompt some of you to come for prayer and some of the people that he's um, laid on my heart was somebody who's recently been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And um, fibromyalgia comes to my mind. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm not sure if that's what it is, but it's definitely an autoimmune disease. Okay? The second person that God wants to come forward and ask for prayer is a... Somebody who's dealing with um, worry, anxiety, panic attacks, and some depression issues. And the third person is just somebody who's strictly dealing with some depression, and they've lost their joy for living. And those people, um, after, after the um, service, I would invite you to hear God's prompt to your heart and come up and ask for prayer. Thank you, Jerry. We'll make that opportunity available, and I would encourage you to take that prompt and allow God to have an opportunity to touch you. We're looking at a Bible passage today. It's Joshua chapters 9 and 10. Again, it's kind of long, so I'm going to summarize major portions of it and read just pieces of it as well. Uh, the background of this is Israel has crossed the Jordan. 
They've taken Jericho. After resolving their sin that we talked about last week, they have now taken Ai. So they control actually a couple of the main fords of the Jordan, and they they control some of the main mountain passes around Ai. As you begin Joshua 9, what you see happening, though, in reaction to that is all, it says all the nations west of the Jordan, from Egypt all the way up into Lebanon, are starting to talk to form an alliance against Israel, except for Gibeon, we see in just a couple verses from there. Gibeon, one of the larger, stronger tribal cities in the area, decides instead of forming an alliance, they result, they decide to do a ruse. And what they do is they have their, some of their key officials, they have them dress up in old clothes and old worn-out sandals and looking like they've been on a long journey, and, and they load their donkeys with old, moldy, hard uh, bread and, and worn-out sacks that have been mended, and it just looks like they've come a really long way, wine flasks that are all cracked, and, and then they come to Joshua's camp and they say, hey, we've come to you from a distant land. See all of our stuff? These, these wine flasks were all new when we left, and now look how cracked they are. And, and so they gave them that proof of their stuff that they loaded. And, and then they go on to say, We've heard of your fame, Israel, and how your God is with you. And we want to form an alliance of peace with you and protection with you. So Joshua and the men, they look at everything. It all bears out the story. So Joshua 9, the story picks up from there, and it says this. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Remember, we talk a lot about pray first. In all major and minor decisions, pray first and expect the Holy Spirit to lead you. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days after they had made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out on the third day and came to their cities. You can read them all yourself. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Isn't this interesting? They swore an oath. Even though they were tricked in that oath, Israel decides to honor their word because that's the way they're going to honor God. The word of the treaty gets out, and as you read further in that chapter, you'd see then the king of Jerusalem gathers four other Amorite kings for five total, and they form an alliance to destroy Gibeon, and they amass their armies, they press the attack, and Gibeon managed to, managed to seek, sneak out of the city in the midst of the attack, a messenger who gets to Joshua and says, will you please uphold your treaty and come to our aid in this? And the text goes on in verse 7 of, cha- of the next chapter, and it says, so Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Now, did you catch that? God speaks of the victory in the past tense. When God looks at the troubles you are facing, the battles you're facing in your life, he speaks of them as the past tense of already being done. He's that confident in how he's bringing the promises to bear in your life. It goes on. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of the enemy died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. And what becomes apparent as we continue to read the text and understand it is the Israelites have the enemy on the run, but the sun is setting. The window to end it all now rather than having to finish fighting another day is closing on them. 
So the text goes on and we see this happening. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, In the presence of all of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. That's a historical book that we don't have. It doesn't exist today. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. This is crazy, right? This is amazing. So amazing that even the Bible says something like this has never happened before or since, right? And even though this is a singularly unique event in all of human history, I think God has this in the scripture for us to make a courageous choice to pray sun stand still types of prayers. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine Joshua praying this prayer? Think about yourself. When's the last time you asked God for something that you saw as impossible or nearly so? You see, even when we do pray big prayers, isn't it true that too often it's easy for us to ask once or twice or three times? But but how many of us have impossible areas in our lives that we have largely stopped asking God for? As we go through this message today, I want you to be asking God's Spirit to speak to you, to point out areas in your life where you have stopped praying for something because it seems impossible that he wants you to re-engage in. You see, because it's so very easy for us, isn't it, to get discouraged and stop praying big prayers, sometimes stop praying at all. But Joshua's prayer and this whole circumstance is here to speak encouragement to us, to pray boldly because God loves sun-stand-still prayers. First, if you're like me, sometimes... Sometimes when I don't want to pray, or sometimes when I don't want to pray at all, much less big things, it's because I feel like I got myself into this predicament in the first place. I mean, I don't feel like God wants to answer sometimes a problem that I created, right? Why would God rescue me from the consequences of my sin or my mistakes? But what this whole passage teaches us is that God actually helps you with the battles you were never supposed to be in. Mistakes you've made, sins you've done, the times you weren't wise like God wanted you to be, that you did things like the Israelites did and did something without praying and formed a treaty that God did not want them to form. You see, those sins and those lapses of judgment don't eliminate God being with you or God wanting to do miraculous things in your life just because you messed up. Or maybe it wasn't your sin, because if you read this text a little further, the, the, the Israelite people were angry at their leaders for making this oath, because they basically effectively took away part of their promised land by giving it to somebody else. And they're angry, and sometimes we get disappointed because of somebody else's mistake, and we don't know what to do. Like you said, I do. And in sickness and health, and that ended up in divorce, and now you're left fighting the battle of picking up those pieces for the rest of your life, right? Or, or somebody left you with a big debt, and you're fighting the battle to recover from that. Or, you maybe, or maybe it's just as simple as you grew up in a home with lots of divorce or dysfunction of some sort, and that's baggage, that residue still affects you today in your marriage or in your relationships, and you're fighting a battle that you were never intended to fight 
in the first place. And the lesson is that God helps us with those types of battles. Israel repented. And even though the treaty was not God's original will, Israel chose to honor God by honoring their world and at word and ended up in a battle that they were not supposed to be in at that time. And God still showed up. In fact, in the ashes of their sin and their mistake, God showed up in the most powerful way, one of the most powerful ways in all of human history, in a way never seen since then or before then. And what does that say to us about God's mercy and love? His willingness to still fulfill his promise to us, to give you another chance when you humbly turn to him and you seek his forgiveness and you determine to follow him with honor, even in this now less than ideal state of life because of mistakes made in the past by you or someone else. Even though they sinned and they weren't wise, see, Joshua still assumes that God's promise is good. I mean, if you look at the text, and if the text is actually written chronological, Joshua's first reaction to this was to simply get up and take action, to start marching on an all-night march to get there because it was simply the right thing to do to honor his word before God. And along the way, it says God spoke to him and reaffirms the promise that he shouldn't be afraid, that he's given them into their hand, and no one, not even one of them, will be able to withstand him. And it's out of that explicit promise that Joshua prays his son stands still prayer. The question for us is, what has God promised you that you can also pray son stand still prayers out of? I mean... Just generically, God has promised you good, right? He's a good God. God has promised you forgiveness. God has promised you good works prepared in advance for you to do so that your life will have meaning that's joyful and good, that makes a lasting impact. He has promised that he wants your family and your relationships to be healthy and beautiful. And while he can't control your response or the response of your spouse or your child or your parent or your boss or, or your friend... You can still confidently pray bold prayers around the health of your relationships in your life because in general he promises his intent for those areas is for a life of blessing. God may have also promised you some very specific things, spoken to you through what we might call a prophetic word. I mean, God has spoken very clearly about the impact of Quest in the community being much larger than it is. And we can pray boldly around that promise because God has promised it, right? Maybe God's promised you something very specific. Maybe it has to do with your career. Maybe God's promised you huge business impact so that you create jobs and you alleviate poverty because of your generosity in creating jobs by the success that you have. Or, or maybe he's given you, wants to give you success in whatever field you're in so that you have a voice with the people in that field who are also successful to lead them to faith in God. Or, or maybe, maybe it's that God wants you to change forever, for generations to come, a negative part of your family line that needs to stop with your family and move forward. And that's a promise God has given that you can pray boldly around that promise. But, you know, one of the things I think we struggle with in praying boldly, sun stand still prayers, is that sometimes when we pray those things out loud, it feels prideful. I mean, especially when the promise seems to be slower in coming and and harder to get there than we thought. And we start to ask ourselves questions. Will it happen? 
And then sometimes along the way you see mistakes you've made and you begin to wonder and, and question yourself. Maybe, maybe the mistakes I've made have removed that promise from me. Maybe that promise is no longer good. But see, Joshua and the Israelites were not perfect. God doesn't predicate his promise to us on our perfection, but rather on his. God loves to fulfill his promises. And when we pray bold, sun-stand-still types of prayers in relation to those promises, it's not prideful. It's honoring of God. You know, I sometimes wonder if Joshua really even intended to, that this prayer would be answered, or if it was just kind of a, an off-the-cuff frustration. He's seeing the opportunity to slip away, and everybody's tired from an all-night march, and he just kind of cries out in frustration, and then and God honors his cry. And answers the prayer because it brought pleasure to God. Which actually leads us to the next question as well. The next point of the, of the lesson out of this text. Praying sun stand still prayers involves active perseverance. Our works don't make things happen. But God invites us into his work following his lead. And even for the Israelites, when they're helping, when they're going along, God is helping them win the battle with hailstones. It still meant they had to have a lot of physical and emotional and spiritual perseverance to work with God in that situation. You see, if your son stands still, prayer is about a relationship that's damaged or broken or, 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 or completely cut off that you want restored, then maybe, maybe that perseverance looks like you have to be the first one to march in that direction and to continually march in that direction to work things out and get things right in that. Or if you want a better job, then it means perseverance and, and making phone calls and networking and, and submitting applications and following up and maybe even learning a new skill. Or if you want God to answer some really big issues that you've got in your finances that you're just going, God, how are we going to get out of this mess and how are we going to get free from this? Then, then it takes some steps. You need to take Financial Peace University. It comes up actually. The next one's coming up during this service. It'll be going for whatever, eight or nine weeks starting on uh, July 10th. Uh, and you're going to need to make a budget. You need to cut back in spending. You need to give as God asks you to give. And then watch your obedience be rewarded by Him. If you're old, you don't have to waste your last days of life. You can still pray, sun stand still, bold prayers. I mean, look at Caleb. He's also in the context of these chapters. If you read a couple chapters later, Caleb, you remember him? He's the, he was the other faithful spy along with Joshua, the only two spies of the original ones sent in the promised land before they rebelled that was faithful. And he's now 85 years old. And if you look at Joshua 14 and 15, he's still asking God for huge things, for bold things. Some of the most extraordinary acts that God does start with the most ordinary acts, the simple steps we take to demonstrate we still believe God is faithful to his promises. And the question is, what acts do you and I need to do to demonstrate our faith in God's promise? I was in a group with some people discussing this message a few weeks back, and Paul Koval was one of the guys there, and he talked about a friend of his named Fred been a co-worker for many years of, of Paul, uh, works at the EPA, and, and he loves God deeply, and uh, since childhood, he's had severe type 1 diabetes, the kind of type 1 diabetes that is going to almost certainly lead to blindness or amputation and eventually death. It's that severe, and, 
One of the things that so impacted Paul about Fred's faith was that Fred is constantly allowing people and even asking people to pray for his healing. All these years later, even though he's still not healed, he's constantly pursuing and persisting and allowing people to pray for him. He keeps believing for that. That's active perseverance. But I think even more beautiful than that is that Fred is this guy who genuinely gets excited when he prays for other people or sees other people pray for people and they get healed even though he's not yet healed. He still loves and rejoices in other people getting healed. I think Fred is an example of what God is inviting all of us to be in our active perseverance. You see, the Bible clearly teaches that we live in this conundrum of a time. We talk about it a lot of times as this now and not yet time of life where until we die and Jesus returns, there's not going to be a solution to all sickness. Not everybody's going to be always healed and all that stuff's not going to be resolved until he comes. And yet within that, this story of Joshua and the story of Jesus' miracles, the story of the apostles' miracles, the, the Jesus inviting each of us, you and I, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick and cast out demons is what Jesus says, to do the power stuff of the Bible as his followers. And both Jesus and Paul talk about God's kingdom is breaking into our reality, there's still this clear invitation to trust God's goodness and to pursue sun-stand-still types of prayers and persevere in the pursuit of that. This kind of bold prayer for the impossible is intended to be a normal part of our lives as we follow God. And the question is, can we persevere in believing God's promises even when life leaves us feeling like the sun is setting and and the time is running out and this isn't happening for us? Can we still persevere in that kind of prayer, even in that moment? And a final lesson of this passage is praying sun-stand-still prayers requires a willingness on our part to look foolish or even be wrong. See... Here's how I think we tend to pray big prayers. And why do I know this? It's because, it's because I pray like this and see if you aren't the same. When I tend to pray big prayers, I like to do it privately. Why? Well, if it comes to pass, I can still share the testimony that God answered this tremendous, awesome prayer. But if it doesn't come to pass, no harm, no foul, right? I mean, I don't make myself look bad. I don't make God look bad by me praying wrongly. Because the reality is, we know, is sometimes, even when we pray in line with God's promises, what we pray is not exactly how he wants to answer that prayer, right? Like when I prayed for God to help me win the publisher's clearinghouse so I could plant dozens and hundreds of churches. And you're laughing because you have too, right? I'm not the only one here who's prayed that we'd win the lottery or publisher's clearinghouse, right? For altruistic reasons. See... We oftentimes don't pray big prayers, especially not big prayers out loud like Joshua did before all the people of Israel because we don't want to look wrong. It's embarrassing. Or maybe it's because if we pray for healing for someone and we feel like we end up playing with that person's hopes and emotions and if they don't get healed, then they're going to be disappointed, right? Or we don't want to be presumptuous because we're not always 100% sure how God wants to answer this, right? So we're afraid to pray or or we don't want to hurt God's reputation by being wrong. I mean, Joshua praying out loud in front of all of Israel, sun stands still. I mean, that's liable to get you locked up in a padded room, right? 
I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. And further, if we go along and we pray these big prayers and we pray them long enough and things don't happen, we so readily end up feeling and thinking, why bother anymore? I mean, we walk through life and we kind of say, yeah, God, God loves me and I'll, I'll keep my nose to the grindstone and I'll, I'll love him, I'll be moral, I'll, I'll try to follow him, I'll serve him, but, but why bother praying big prayers anymore? I mean, just why bother, right? You may be even sitting there and thinking, yeah, Ross, I mean, this whole phrase, praying, sun, stand, still, prayer, sounds really great, motivational, inviting, it's even something I want. But the reality sets in. And I've asked God for some pretty big stuff in the past. And I just, frankly, can't muster up the energy for this because I've been disappointed too many times. I get that. I've felt that really often where you just can't, you just feel like you can't muster up the energy to pray, much less pray big, all too often. But this story and Jesus' teachings on prayer are inviting us to active perseverance even in that moment. And one way I personally try to get around that feeling that can't muster up enough energy to pray type of feeling is just simply being honest with God. Because isn't it true that a significant part of that can't muster up the will to pray this is really an integrity barrier within us? We don't want to pray something we don't believe, right? We don't want to do something we don't feel genuine about. So I face that time and I'll say things like to God, like I start simply by being honest. I say, God, I know what you promised. I know I've seen your power in the past and I may even list some of those things. And I know you want me to pray big prayers, but God, I just frankly am discouraged right now. I just don't feel like it. I just don't want to. And when I've resolved that integrity gap with God, then I force myself to respond in a way that I think God wants me to respond in that moment. Maybe that's praying that prayer. And if I'm praying that prayer, I'm praying it out loud. Because there's something about saying that stuff out loud that is reorienting and powerful for us, that's, that's a beautiful part of worship. And then I spend time worshiping God, and I, and I spend time remembering the miracles of the past and talking to him about that, and remembering his attributes and talking about how great and how good and how faithful he's been and how he is that way. And, and I often force myself to pray that prayer around other people as well and talk about it with other people. I just do the next step of what I think would be an action that would demonstrate that faith in God to actually show up in that prayer and fulfill that promise, whatever it is. And even if I'm wrong in the way God wants it to be done, I mean, think about it. Joshua could have been wrong. God had already used hailstones as part of the battle strategy. It says more people died from hail than they died by the Israelites' hand. Maybe God just wanted to do it himself. Maybe it really wasn't God's plan to have the sun stand still that day. But Joshua was willing, Joshua was willing to declare out loud before all the Israelites a prayer that was in line with God's promise. And think about it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen if we do that? Yeah, I mean, we could be wrong, embarrassed a little bit. We could possibly discourage some other people's faith around us by, by saying something and praying something that doesn't come to be. But all those thoughts that that we have that keep us from being bold in prayer, uh, I think it's the wrong way to look at it, isn't it? I mean, isn't it a significant portion of those thoughts really about how you feel about yourself, 
how others will feel about you. And the rest is really focused on a feeling that we have that we need to protect God's reputation, right? So here's a question. Does God need us to protect his reputation? I don't think so. At least not when it comes to praying big prayers. See, I think we have the wrong perspective that keeps us from asking big things of God. I think God is actually honored by our sun stand still prayers. Even when we goof, even when we ask something that's not part of his plan, he doesn't answer that with a yes. He answers it in a different way because sun stand still prayers reflect how you think about God. He's good. He fulfills his promises. He's all-powerful. His opinion is the only opinion that really counts and truly counts in life. And not praying sun-stand-still prayers also reflects how you think about God. Isn't that true? You see, what I'm about to say is actually, the next is not, not conclusively substantiated in the Bible. This is, just, this is just Ross and how he reads it, okay? So don't take this as, as Bible. But when I read this story... I don't think God needed Joshua to pray the sun standstill prayer to accomplish the win for the day. I think God was already miraculously helping things along with the hail, and he didn't need Joshua to do that. But I think Josh heard Joshua prayed that, and God saw that, and I think, I think it brought a smile to God's face. And God just kind of said, wow, I love this guy's trust of me. And frankly, that sounds kind of like a fun thing to do. So just because I can... I'm going to stop the world on its axis and stop the moon from rotating, and we're just going to have some fun. Just because I think it's, you know, I think that's probably what it was really like. And, and, and think about it. Don't you love it when you're a parent or a grandparent or an uncle and a, an uncle or an aunt and, and, and a little one, a little child comes to you and says, Oh, Grandpa, Dad, Mom, he can fix it. They can fix anything. Kind of an attitude. Don't you love it when they come to you like that? Hasn't there been at least one time in your life as a parent or an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent when you did something you didn't plan to do just because that little child asked you and believed in you and wanted you to do that? Why would God be any different? Why would God be any different? We're created in His image. The best of those noble responses that we have, those joyful responses that we have, are part of being created in His image. It's part of us being like Him. You see, one of the greatest forms of worship, I think, is trusting God so much that regardless of what's going on, regardless of how long it's taking, that we continue to express our trust in God's love and goodness and in God's promise by praying sun stand still types of prayers to become more like Paul's friend, Fred, every day. Some of you know, may know the name of one of the, uh, the biggest names uh, around healing and preaching on healing in the nation today. His name is Bill Johnson. He pastors a church in Redding, California. I've had family and friends who've been a part of his church. We've been there. I've heard and seen some really cool things that God's done through that ministry. What you may not know is that Bill Johnson's son is on staff, and he's almost completely deaf. He's been prayed for probably every single service they've ever had for years to be healed, and he's never been healed. In fact, he prays for healing for people on a regular basis. In fact, I heard him talk one time, and he said, he said he's prayed for pe- people for healing from deafness, and they've gotten healed, and he's still not healed. And he rejoices in that and trusts God and finds joy even in that. 
See, we struggle so often with anger and frustration of the why bother. James, Jesus' half-brother, teaches on bold prayer in James 4, and he says this, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures instead of God's will and his promise for you. But right before that, he also says this, You do not have because you do not ask. Could it be that our concern about not embarrassing God or ourselves is all backwards? That God wants us to regularly pray sun stand still types of prayers because he delights in the worship that that brings him. He delights in the fact that you're willing to say out loud in front of other people, my God is a big God. My God is a good God. My God keeps his promises. And you're willing to even be wrong and look foolish asking for something big, even impossible, because you trust him. See, the Bible is full of people who could have said, why bother? Abraham could have said, why bother at 100 years old when he still hadn't had his promise of a child that God had promised him years earlier? Joseph could have said, why bother following God when he spent 13 years enslaved and imprisoned? Moses could have said, why bother God? You you called me to speak for and lead the people of Israel, and yet I stutter. I can't hardly even get a word out straight. No one will listen to me. Why bother? Joshua could have said, why bother on this very day when victory wasn't complete? And we think about Jesus. There's a lot of opportunity. He could have said, why bother? Let me speak to you, especially for a moment, if you're not convinced or a committed follower of Jesus. I remember a moment in my life that I can't fully decide whether it was righteous or unrighteous, so maybe you can help me today. My oldest child, son, my oldest son, Derek, was two and a half at the time. Uh, maybe two, somewhere between two and two, two and a half. And, and we went to this one of those businesses. I don't know if they're still as popular because I don't have young kids. Where it was a business that was it was multiple stories of the tube structures, the play structures that you climb up in. Your kids all climb up in, and when they get when they get afraid, you've got to try to figure out how to get through all those narrow tubes up there to get them out. You know that kind of thing. This particular structure had three big slides that came down into this huge ball pit. And uh, that day there were two older kids there. They were four and five years old, and they were being really, really mean to Derek all day long. We were there for several hours, and I tried talking with them. I tried to find their parents, but their parents were nowhere to be found and clearly weren't concerned about watching their children. This went on and on and on. I even tried to coach Derek to just avoid them, but these kids went out of their way consistently to be mean to him, so I'd finally had it. So coming out of the ball pit... There's an opening in the net enclosure all around the ball pit that you had to come out in order to be able to go back up in the play structure. So I moved over, and I stood in front of that opening and waited for him to come. When they came, the kid who had been the meanest, I grabbed him by the shirt collar, I lifted him up, put his face right there, and I said, if you are ever mean to my son again, you're going to regret it. And I set him down. I think the kid needs counseling. <laughs> uh, and maybe this is the unredeemed part of me, but that was really satisfying in that moment <laughs> to do that. And believe it or not, he was really nice to Derek the rest of the day when we were there. Matthew 26, verses 27 through 30. 
When the religious leaders were accusing Jesus of trial, they spit in his face multiple times. They taunted him. They struck him with their fists. Can you imagine his father, God, looking down at his son in that moment and what he must have been, what he must have felt? Seeing everything, watching them, beating him, hitting him with a stick and fist, spitting in his face, mocking him, whipping him until his back was raw and his bones were sticking out and putting him on the cross, nailing him, raising him, letting that cross fall in that hole with a painful thud. And then can you imagine Jesus praying what I think is the most audacious sun standstill prayer in all of the Bible? Jesus says of those who had abused him and were abusing him, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do the impossible, God. Forgive these people who are so hard that they're railing at me right now, the only one who can save them, the only one who can bring healing and salvation to them. Do the impossible, God. For some of you, receiving Jesus as your Lord and following him has seemed impossible to those around you who have been praying for you for a very long time. Maybe you don't want to be an answer to that prayer of theirs or Jesus' prayer for you because you're stuck in that place of why bother? Too much pain. Too much unanswered prayer in your past. Or maybe it's the why bother because some things in your life seem impossible or, or you seem too imperfect to be saved and you can't imagine God coming to you. Or, or maybe it's because other followers of Jesus have been too imperfect around you and give you no merit to trust the gospel that they follow and the God that they follow. So whatever it is, you bother, why bother? You, you fill in the blank that keeps you from that relationship with God. And in so doing, you spit in the face of the God who is so good and so trustworthy to love you and die for you and even ask for your forgiveness even while you were abusing him. God is inviting you today to humble yourself, to receive his goodness, to let that impossible prayer be answered for you by you choosing to put your trust in Jesus today. And you can do that simply by praying what I think is one of the most audacious prayers on your own, confessing your sin, your need of God, and asking him to be the Lord of your life, to change you and to bring you out of your circumstances into the promised land he has for you. Um, And you can do that under your breath right now, or you can do it in a minute as we continue worship. For all of us, clearly, sun standing still hasn't happened before or since. We get that right. So we're not asking you necessarily to believe the earth is going to stop on its access. But the reality is all of us, don't we? We all have areas that we think are impossible or seem impossible. Areas maybe we've given up on praying for. What are those impossible areas that you've given up on praying for? What steps do you need to take to allow God to be big and miraculous in your life and situation? How are your prayers and your actions honoring God as big and powerful? See, God loves it when we trust Him enough to pray sun-stand-still prayers. And Jesus himself invites us, even commands us as his followers, to be part of bringing his kingdom breaking into our world so that we live on earth as he lives in heaven with his kingdom. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we ask that your presence will be with us now. And as we stand and, and we worship and we declare your kingdom coming and our trust of you, Lord, would you come and continue to speak to each of us about the specific steps we each need to take this week to re-engage in praying those big prayers that you invite us to pray 
So be with us now as we worship in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.